hello, hello. Welcome to Live Bammer Sunday for June 5th, 2016. Koyo Kobosa here talking about uh, human mistakes. One of the most important aspects of uh, everybody's life lies is that human relationships and uh, we we have a lot of good things that go on between people and sometimes some difficult things together regardless of whether they're close family members uh, relatives acquaintances, good friends, co-workers it's a long life and a lot of things happen um, and I think it behooves us to recognize that human relationships is a crucial part of one's life, good or bad, and uh, how to handle that, how to minimize the difficult times, maximize the good times, and on the surface of it, I think everyone would agree that most of the time we're pretty self-centered. And consciously or unconsciously, everybody does things from their own perspective. And sometimes it impinges upon people around them in their relationships. Even though we may make good, great efforts to promote the good times and help take care of people and let them know we care. Uh, sometimes things happen. And then blame, blame, being judgmental is part of being human beings. And uh, this is where trouble starts. And if um, sometimes people could, it could get to the point when it's uh, difficulties arise that people become cynical. They say, "Hey, I'm not, I'm not going to even try anymore," or they uh, <clears throat> they just assume that that's the state of affairs. On the other extreme, of course, the good extreme. Uh, there is a tremendous amount of gratitude for the richness that the relationships bring to one's life. And I remember, uh, I think one of the most important things is among family and friends. Um, I remember there was a, a minister that, uh, he often talked about how nice it is to share a life together. You know, when temple groups get together on social occasions or when friends get together and families get together on, on, well, for special occasions or not special occasions, just having a good time together, laughing, enjoying food together or some, doing, sharing some uh, events, activities, easy to take it for granted. 
But that phrase, wow, man, how nice to share life together. It sounds kind of not very deep like a teaching, but he used to say that all the time, and the more I thought about it and realized to share life together, what a blessing, what a crucial thing. And I, I, I became more aware of that. And I use the same phrase all the time. How nice it is to be together. And I remember my father, when he started a meditation group, he was one of the earliest ones to uh, <clears throat> start one in his uh, lineage or tradition uh, because, uh, you know, he, he did not have a Zen center, which sitting meditation is the core practice there. Um, and in Dodo Shinshu Buddhism, meditation was seen unfavorably, was seen in that sort of a self-practice uh, affair, and it would have been very frowned upon if they had any meditation at their temples. But this was back in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, when my father started a meditation sitting group before the regular Sunday services, well, they had a little meditation room in the annex building. And it was way before ahead of the times. Nowadays, there's a lot of Zen, Shin, Sanghas, and many temples now that you know, have loosened up and uh, resident ministers uh, welcome that quiet time and have, uh, but anyway, on, on Sundays, when there's a small group sitting in the very intimate meditation room, my father would always start off by saying how nice it is to be together, how nice it is to share this time together. And it sounds like just a social comment, but uh, from the perspective I'm talking about, it's uh, reflects the crucial nature of what gives our life richness. Isn't it sharing life together? And so uh, I think it's good once in a while to talk explicitly about this as I'm doing now, okay, so that we don't take for granted when maybe every week or even every day we might see our family members and, you know, ironically, it's the closest family members, maybe one's own spouse is the, is the epitome of it. You're so close that you, and because of that closeness, I think your relationship is is so solid that ironically, you, you take it for granted, and you, because you know it's so solid, you could get upset with the other person. You could uh, take them for granted. You could, you know, not show them some common courtesies that you would show a stranger or an acquaintance, okay, because you feel you don't have to be so polite or gracious, okay, to the one that's closest to you because your relationship is so solid. If you acted the same callous way 
to a friend or an acquaintance or a coworker, uh, your relationship is not so solid as with your spouse. They might say, "Hey, you can't treat me that way," and they and then they might, you know, terminate. Um, so that's a very ironic thing. And sometimes the same minister that I used to, I used to, you know, that I mentioned about, he always said, uh, "Not sharing life together." When he says people say a, a husband has trouble with his spouse and he comes to him for advice, and he would say, "Well, treat your wife like a." Like, like your, like she's your neighbor's wife, <laughs> and it's kind of like sort of humorous way of putting it. But treat your wife like she's your neighbor's wife. Um, in terms of what I've been talking about, the smallest courtesies of interpersonal relationships, social interaction, human relationships, just the. The almost superficial courtesies that we show to one another is what we're talking about, you know. Um, and so it behooves us to, if this is through our awareness, not only not take for granted the relationship, but having it part of our practice to be patient, to be more patient more kind, more courteous, more considerate. Not that we ever arrive, not in the sense of, well, I, hey, I'm, I'm doing this, being this way, but the other person is not. Well, you're going to get a lot of trouble if you get judgmental like that. That's, like my father used to say, when he gave advice, when he performed the wedding ceremony, he gave advice to the couple, you know, marriage and human relationships has a different kind of arithmetic than usual. Usually in a partnership you say, well, you do 50%, I do 50%, and that makes 100% in our relationship. He says, no. The arithmetic, we could call it Buddhist arithmetic if you want, but it's really life arithmetic. You give 100%, the other person gives 100%, and 100 plus 100 equals 100 um, so you're, you know, you don't say, well, I'll love you only if you <laughs> love me back in equal measure. I mean, what kind of, you know, uh, anyway, uh, I think we, we're on that, every one of us is on that journey. Every one of us, none of us is, is a hermit. And even a hermit or even someone who, you know, isolates themselves socially, they have a lot of relationships going on in their head. Uh, uh, and lives interact, they, whether it's directly or indirectly. You cannot look at one life and not see the influence of a, a lot of other lives. So, and uh, anyway, I'm just rambling on about this, but it is an important aspect. Uh, and uh, what gives it a lot of punch impact is that uh, not just the interdependency aspects that I've been talking about, but the other twin eye, you know, inter interdependency starts with the letter I, and there's another I, impermanence. When you 
the death of a loved one, can you really realize what we took for granted? And I usually say, these are the two eyes that Buddhists look out at the world. Each kind of play on words. But that interdependency and impermanence are the core pillars of Buddhist teachings. Well, I'd like to introduce today's guest to give us a Dharma glimpse. This is Dorothy Shinyo. Uh, she lives in Florida. She was part of the LM5 group. Uh, LM8 just finished their induction. So, uh, and uh, her name, Shinyo, her, her Shin in her Dharma name Shinyo means lively. And uh, she's a member of a large family, and their family and our family uh, go way back. And uh, she's a she's family is in general very lively, uh, but Dorothy is the most lively and lively to be alive, to share life together. I mean, you could make all kinds of good learning, teaching associations from the Dharma name, which is the main purpose of a Dharma name. Well, let's see what Dorothy Shinyo has to share with us today. Today I sold my 2004 Honda Metropolitan Scooter. It was a bitter, sweet moment. When I first got it in 2010, I rode it all the time. As the winter weather would set in, it would be parked for several months in our garage to rest. Then in spring, I'd get it up, running, and I was off again, riding the city streets with my helmet protecting my head and a messenger bag holding my personal items. As my commercial real estate business grew, my availability to ride the scooter became less. I would see it every day parked near our car, and while it made me smile, I felt like I was neglecting it letting it sit there day after day. Finally, the time had come. It was time for me to let go. So this spring, I decided to sell it and allow someone else to feel the pleasure, the joy, the adventure. Transferring the title, I felt happy and yet sad. Happy to know it was no longer going to be idle, but sad because I would miss it. Not the machine, but the history. You see, the scooter was given to me by my younger sister who loved motorcycles, all sizes. She had several. Riding in the open air was one of her passions. She said it made her feel free. Free from disease is what I think she meant. Peggy died six years ago at age 45 of breast cancer. I realized my memories of my sister will live on. I don't have to look at a scooter every day to be reminded of her. She and I share a favorite saying, live simply, laugh often, and love always. Be so. Wow. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, Of course, when loved one passes away, it's always too soon, you know. How much more tragic when a younger sibling or a child goes before the parent or older siblings? You know, um, 
no guarantees. We don't know what's around the corner in these kind of matters. Um, as I mentioned, their their family uh, father was a veterinarian in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, had a large family, and uh, our family's. Uh, the beginning of the relationship was that uh, <clears throat> they had were attending a Unitarian church in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is just over the border from it on you know Illinois, maybe about an hour and a half drive from Chicago. And my father was had been invited to be the guest speaker at the Unitarian Church on Sunday. And when the Merrick family, uh, the father and the mother, John and Carol, they, they really resonated to his message. And they, and they became members of the Buddhist Temple of Chicago, and they started to commute in on Sundays. They would bring their children in, and, and they would sit in meditation, go to the early morning meditations, and <clears throat> they socialized, the family socialized together. Uh, John and Carol would go on some driving trips with, with my parents, and they had all kinds of adventures. And those stories are really sharing life together. And he did uh, weddings for some of the older children. And then when he uh, retired from temple ministry, and I was on board, and... Uh, and I was asked to perform wedding for the Merrick family. And, in fact, I performed the wedding service for Peggy, who was the younger sister of Dorothy that she had mentioned, that passed away at age 45. And uh, I know she and her husband loved motorcycles, you know. And they were living in Atlanta, Georgia, when she passed away, and uh, the family asked me to conduct the funeral service, and flew me from Chicago to Atlanta, uh, and I presided over the funeral service. Uh, and there was a lot of uh, bikers. They had a bicycle, motorcycle club, and and uh, there's a special bond there. Um, in fact, when Dorothy was talking about how they said, oh, you, you know, to, to feel that breeze when you're riding the outdoors and everything, and to ride together, that's something special that if you non-motorcycle riders would never know or could not really experience what if someone was trying to share what that experience is like. I had just a, a small taste of it when to ride motorcycles when I was younger, and, and although I didn't uh, belong to a club, um, on several occasions, not many, but several times, I would, have some, I would be with some friends, maybe not a big group, but even three, four, to ride together uh, on a motorcycle is... That feeling of togetherness, it's like you're a one single organism 
And it's different from, say, if you're in car in a car caravan going someplace together. That's that, that you don't get that feeling that you get on a motorcycle. And uh, you know, when you you, you can you just the mobility moving around, uh, it is a special feeling. So I have some glimpse of that uh camaraderie there. And in fact, it's interesting when <clears throat> the whole subculture of motorcycle clubs and so forth is so complex, and perhaps the stereotype is uh, is the stigma of hell's angels and, and all these. Um, but that's only that's unfair. Uh, and uh, in fact, just yesterday, I was talking with a friend who was visiting came to visit for the day, and uh, he's working in Saudi Arabia. Uh, he's a, a metal sculptor artist. He's working on a project there. Um, <clears throat> and he's been he was been there for months. And so he got a good cross-cultural experience, what it's like to live there. And he was sharing his experiences. And one thing he mentioned was there's... Uh, Young people have motorcycle clubs there, and it's very different from motorcycle clubs in the United States. They had the same gear. They had the same kind of jackets, club jackets with insignias and everything, but they're very uh, social groups. None of the, you know, Hells Angels and that aspect, they get into crime, they get into, you know, drugs and all this, none of that type of a thing associated with the motorcycle groups in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> it's much more, almost a caricature of, you know, they, they just have a good time. They roar down and ride together, and but <clears throat> it's just different culturally. Um, and so I thought that was very interesting, you know. Uh, But anyway, I wanted to, it's, it's the synchronicity of topics, it's kind of amazing, you know, when uh, uh, talking about scooters and motorcycles and and then the conversations you might have with other people, un, unassociated people, and when you, you see the... Uh, the same topic and I, I think that shows us that we share life in a lot of ways we don't realize um, but I really appreciate when people give a Dharma glimpse that shows the really human deep aspects of sharing life together well that's all for today's broadcast Till next time keep going and you have a very beautiful day.